America. We are endowed by our Creator with certain unalienable rights, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. At Grand Canyon University, we believe in equal opportunity, and the American dream starts with purpose. By honoring your career calling, you impact your family, your friends, and your community. The pursuit to serve others is yours. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu. At LensCrafters, we value expertly tailored eye care, provide state-of-the-art eye exams, offer a wide assortment of designer brands and high-quality lenses, because everything we do at LensCrafters is for every site that makes your life special. We offer 50% off lenses with frame purchase, shop in-store and online. Book your annual eye exam now on LensCrafters.com. LensCrafters, because sight. Eye exams are available at the Independent Doctor of Optometry at or next to LensCrafters. Doctors in some states are employed by LensCrafters. Offer valid to April 2nd, 2023. See associate for details. This is Cruise Radio. Now more than ever, you should consider trip insurance for any kind of trip you take, not just cruises. Get a free quote at tripinsurance.com. Broadcasting from the tripinsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida. This is Cruise Radio. Hey, how's it going? My name is Doug Parker. Thank you so much for checking out this episode of Cruise Radio, a review of MSC Lyrica today, a cruise that was over in the Mediterranean out of Athens round trip. Jen will be here in just a bit to talk about her family vacation over there. Staff writer Richard Sims is here with Cruise News. I'd like to invite you to get caught up on all the Cruise News five days a week at Cruise Radio News. You can find that just opposite of this channel on the podcast feed or at the Cruise Radio YouTube channel. Staff writer Richard Sims on deck. Hey, Richard. Hey, Doug. So since we spoke last week, a couple of lines have made some policy changes regarding testing. Yeah, this is actually a little bit difficult to report because things are changing so quickly that 10 minutes after we finish recording, things could completely change. But here's the basic lay of the land. Um, Carnival, Celebrity, Royal, and MSC all essentially said the same thing, which was that on cruises of five nights or less, pre-cruise testing would no longer be required. Except, of course, it can't possibly be that simple because right after that, like a day later, Carnival amended their statement to say that it would still be required on sailings to Bermuda or the Bahamas or Grand Cayman or Canada, no matter whether you were going on a four-night or a ten-night sailing. I assume we're going to see similar policy adjustments being made in the days and weeks to come by the other lines because, you know, it's it's not up to the cruise lines alone to make these decisions. Yes, they can make the decision that, you know, we're not going to require testing, but if they are going to a port that requires testing, then they have to change their policy, and that's what we've been seeing. So, you know, kind of the best thing you can do right now is to not only check the pre-testing and vaccine requirements on any cruise you book, but keep checking. Stay on top of it um, because there's a lot of confusing information out there. There is occasionally conflicting information out there. And you really want to make sure that whatever you do, you don't show up to the port and find out that, you know, they've changed the policy and you can't get on board. Frankly, the safest thing you can do right now is if there is any doubt in your mind just go ahead and take a test, you know, have the test ready so that when you get to the port, if they're like, oh, yeah, we need testing. Oh, well, here you go. I did one yesterday. You know, that's sort of the way that I'm operating right now is, you know, I've got several cruises booked coming up and I'm just basically planning to test no matter what so that I'm covered. Another good reason to have a travel agent as well. 
call 100%, you know, because your travel agent should be completely on top of that and know exactly what the policy is and alert you um, if, you know, and, and be a little bit careful that you don't just sort of go along with what other people say. Um, I happen to be in a Facebook group for one of my upcoming cruises and someone in the Facebook group was posting, you know, Hey, good news. Carnival says we no longer need to do testing because it's a five day or less sailing. And, you know, while that's true, what she was posting was actually inaccurate for our sailing because we're going to Bermuda and we do have to test. So don't just go by, you know, what what you read on Facebook. Make sure that you're staying on, on top of what the actual policies are. I hope that's not Christy posting that in there. <laughs> it is not. Okay, good. <laughs> Uh, Norwegian Cruise Line is changing up some menus and they had another milestone for a new build. I will be interested to see how people react to this one, Doug, because Norwegian Cruise Line has announced that when Prima rolls out in a couple of months, the two main dining rooms on board will have fixed menus. That means they won't be changing things up every night, but instead will have the same basic things every night of your cruise. Now, Norwegian promises it's going to be a varied and expanded menu, and it'll include a bunch of stuff like, you know, um, and some higher end stuff. And there'll also be a mix and match pasta section where you can basically create like 24 different dishes by combining different things. But clearly the thinking here is that most cruisers eat at least a couple of nights in specialty restaurants. Now, I 100 percent guarantee you that the members of the nickel and dime posse are going to say this is ncl's way of making sure people spend money in specialty restaurants so that they don't get bored you know going to the main dining room every night and seeing the same thing on the menu um NCL also said that on Prima, the buffet is going to be a little bit smaller than on other ships again they say here that the reason for this is that most of the venues on board, or at least a lot of the menus venues on board, are going to be serving lunch and dinner, which puts you know less pressure to have this big kind of one size fits all buffet. Uh, they will be rolling the new menus out across the fleet sometime in 2023. There's no word yet on whether or not they might downsize buffets on existing ships, but I tend to doubt it because. Unless a ship is going in for a dry dock during which, you know, they're making big changes, it would be tough to just sort of, you know, cut down the size of the buffet, put something else there. But they do have a bunch of new ships coming out and on order. So I assume we'll probably see these changes on those. And lastly, speaking of these new ships, so Prima hasn't even debuted yet. It's coming out soon. But already Viva, the next ship in this new class, is on its way. It's been floated out at Fincanteri. And, you know, that's one of the big steps toward uh, becoming completed. If you want more information on Prima, keep your eye on the site because we're going to be doing a lot of reporting on it and we will actually be, you know, reporting on, from on board it in October. The Spanish food they're serving, is that, did that say paella? Paella. Okay. I am a big fan of paella. Um, so I'll be, I will definitely be trying that during my sailing. See, I'll put that on my script for the news briefs and I just took it out and put sp uh, Spanish food because I had no clue how to say it. So... <laughs> <laughs> Well, see, here you go. Now you can, now you can, next time you do it, you can say, Pie -ay -ay. I keep saying you'll have to spell these things out phonetically or I'll totally butcher them or I just won't say them at all. Um, so, but you know what? People love that about you. Yeah, I guess. I'm the king butcher. Um, so over 3 million guests served. 
Yeah, so this is Carnival. They've hit another milestone. They've welcomed 3 million passengers on board since the restart, which was about 400 days ago. That's over 1,104 sailings. Um, What's interesting here is that they hit the 2 million mark for guests in May. So that number went from 2 million to 3 million in less than 75 days. It's When you think about it, there are 95,000 guests per week on the Carnival fleet. That's just Carnival. So there's almost 100,000 people per week sailing at any given time on Carnival ships, which is kind of amazing. They obviously, when they first started, the reason that the that it took so le- so much less time to get to the 3 million mark than it did the 2 million mark is that, it, you know, the first, you know, six months, eight months, they were not necessarily sailing the entire fleet and the fleet was not sailing at full capacity. But by this third quarter, they're expecting to have most of the ships sailing at 110% capacity. And what that means is when people hear 110%, they're like, how can that be? There's you know only so much room. When you look at capacity, you look at it as double occupancy, but a lot of people obviously have more than two people in a room and that's how you wind up getting above 100% capacity. Glacier Bay National Park is tightening the reins on cruise ships. You know, as much as we all love cruising, we all also kind of sort of have to have to say that, you know, obviously it has an impact on the environment. And we do cruise lines do everything in their power to negate that impact. But, you know, just like cars on the highway have an impact or planes in the sky have an impact on, on the environment, so do cruise ships in any environment they go to. And there are some environments that they go to that are a little more delicate than others. And Glacier Bay is obviously a national treasure. You know, this is this is a beautiful, pristine place, and they want to keep it that way. So one of the things they've done is they've initiated an environmental inspection program that's focused on large cruise ships entering the park. Uh, independent inspectors board the ship and sort of look at the operation to make sure there's no wastewater being because there's one of the rules is no wastewater is allowed off the ship in that area. And they look to see how they're doing on um, protecting the local wire wildlife uh, compliance with, you know, all the different regulations that they have to go to. This is a lot like the other inspection programs in that even though it is being done by Glacier Bay National Park and even though it is basically, you know, the cruise ships have to do this, the cruise ships pay for this. This is being paid for by the industry. Um, The third-party inspectors report directly to the managers at Glacier Bay. So it isn't as if the cruise lines are paying for this and the cruise lines then get the report so that they can kind of like, you know, fudge anything that they might not like. No, the cruise lines pay for it but it's an independent third party that does the inspections and then gives the report to the folks at Glacier Bay. Ships crews do not know when this inspection is going to happen. This is like, you know, they they probably find out about 20 minutes before, which I assume sends off a mad scramble that would be great with the music from Benny Hill as people try and like make sure everything (laughs) looks the way it needs to look. But um, this this is important because it is, you know, yet another way that the cruise lines are working with within, you know, kind of strict rules to try and help prevent any damage that they might be doing to the local environment in pristine places like this. News of the weird, things that go bump in the night. 
few weeks ago, we reported that the Norwegian sun hit an iceberg. Well, really a growler, the new term that we've been repeating and will now be part of our vocabulary forever. This time around, it was a fishing vessel that ran into the Norwegian pearl. It happened around you know, 2, 2.30 in the morning uh, off the coast of, I want to say, I forget where it was off the Nantucket. coast. Nantucket. Somewhere in New Yes, I knew it was somewhere in in New England. And what's more New England than Nantucket? Uh, apparently, the jolt sort of, you know, definitely woke people up and it caused a little bit of damage on the ship as far as things falling over um, off tables and stuff like that. But nothing substantial. The fishing boat, however, the Gabby G, had a little bit more damage. It was, however, able to sail back to port under its own power. There was one minor injury on board, not on board the cruise ship, on board the uh, fishing vessel. I'm pretty sure most of the people on the cruise ship probably didn't even notice. You know, it's like 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 swatting away a fly. Uh, the Coast Guard's doing an investigation, so there's not a lot of information as to exactly how this happened. But if there's a bit of good news for Norwegian, it seems very unlikely that you know they are in any way, shape, or form responsible for this. And here's why. The collision happened, the fishing boat hit midship. So, you know, it'd be bad if the, the ship hit the uh, hit the fishing boat dead on because that would sort of imply, oh dear, that might be Norwegian's fault. But it would be really hard for Norwegian to be at fault when the ship sort of slammed into it midship. You know, that's that's kind of difficult to imagine a scenario where somehow, you know, Norwegian mm. was like doing whirlies out there and, and slammed into the ship. But we probably won't get any more information for a little while, but there is an investigation going on into how it happened. Pure speculation at this point. It's hard to imagine, though, with a, a fishing vessel that size that the nav team on either Pearl or the Gabby B didn't see each other on the radar. Interesting. That's that's the really interesting question is, you know, both ships obviously have radar. And yes, it was early in the morning, and I, I think there were like some rainy and foggy conditions, but it's still, especially for the Gabby G, is where it seems really weird. Because, you know, Norwegians, you would assume Norwegians' radar would be focused out in front of them. And the ship came at them from the side. Mm -hmm. So it's sort of hard to imagine how the person looking at radar on Gabby G didn't say, hey, there's kind of a big object in front of us. Yeah. Or Maybe the, we should turn. Yeah. Or the nav team on NCL being like, oh, my gosh, someone's approaching us. We don't know who this is. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see what the uh, Coast Guard says in their report. Tim from Birmingham says, for our listener question, I have a medical issue where I cannot drink, but my wife does. Good for her. Is it possible for my wife to get the beverage package next summer on Allure of the Seas, but me not get it? I'm even happy to provide a doctor's note if they need it. Okay, so that's Royal Caribbean. And first of all, Tim, I'm really sorry. And please may I never have a condition that requires me not to be able to drink. I would be very <laughs> sad. But the good news is, yes, you can. Um, while the rule is basically that anybody of drinking age in a stateroom, if one person gets it, they all have to get it. That is generally the rule. But there are exceptions made in cases like this. And what they do is uh, they say that you need to buy the soda package in Instead. So everybody in the room has to have a package. But in that case, because there's, you know, as long as you can provide, you know, like you said, you've got a medical note, you can back this up. They will allow an exception that lets you get the, uh, the, the soda package instead. Doug, that's with Royal Caribbean. I'm not sure. Do you know if the other lines basically do the same thing? I can't speak on NCL, although they're like giving those, you know, beverage packages away like candy over there. But Carnival 
It's always been a hard no. I'm actually traveling on a carnival ship with someone who takes medication that cannot drink. So I'm going to try it because I always get the package. Not that I burn up all 15 drinks, um, but I love me some coffee and energy drinks too. Things I really like about Carnival's package is that it does include those things. You know, Norwegian does not include those, although, you know, the, the premium package now you can get that includes Starbucks and they have just the Starbucks pass it package that for, what was it, twelve ninety five a day? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a bargain for anybody who gets like two Starbucks a day. Yeah, I know nothing about law or anything, but it seems like it could could be possibly um, like possible discrimination if you're making someone buy something that they physically can't do just because the other person has it, you know? We are not lawyers, but we play them on the radio. Yeah. I mean, that makes sense, right? Or am I speaking yeah, out of turn? I, I, no, I, I completely agree. I mean, yeah. I, I would think there has to be some kind of provision in place. And like I said, there's probably, or like Tim said, really, there's probably got to be some rule that, you know, you need to be able to provide uh, some form of proof of this condition. Obviously, the reason they do it is they don't want people like you buying the beverage package and me drinking all your drinks. You know, like right. you say, you don't drink 15 drinks. So maybe you decide, oh, well, you have half, I'll have half and we'll share the price. That's why they do it. They don't want people doing that. Um, but if you have a medical condition and can prove it, there's, it would seem that they've got to make an exception for that. Yeah. So Tim, you're good for you and the wife on a lore next summer. Just contact your travel agent or the customer service at Royal. They'll ask you a couple of questions and you should be good to go. This was as of a couple of weeks ago, at least. Been talking with staff writer Richard Sims. As always, my friend, thank you so much. Glad to be here. Breaking news as it happens. Online and on demand. At a big question Radio we get at Cruise Radio is, how do I know if I need trip insurance? Simple answer. If you're getting on a plane, taking a road trip, or getting on a cruise ship, you need to have travel insurance. Hey, it's Doug Parker for my friends at TripInsurance.com. Not, not only does TripInsurance.com protect your vacation investment, but it also gives you peace of mind in case anything were to go wrong on your trip. How do they do it? They offer three different types of trip insurance policies. Good, better, and best. One policy for every vacation budget. But it doesn't just stop there. They're up to 40% lower when you shop around on other comparison sites. Plus, TripInsurance.com offers 24-hour customer support before, during, and after your trip, online claims assistance, and travel alerts to let you know what's going on at your destination. But find out for yourself. Check out TripInsurance.com. You're listening to Cruise Radio, the trusted voice of the cruise industry. Jennifer and her family just returned from a seven-night cruise aboard MSC Lyrica. It was out of Athens, and it hit the Greek Isles, Turkey, and Israel. And Jennifer joins us on the line. Hello there, Jennifer. Hello. The last time we spoke was before the shutdown, and I think you were on Norwegian Star, right? Yes. 2019. Crazy. Time has sure been flying. So this was a seven-night cruise. Um, out of Athens, which is a really cool in itself. But before we get to the actual destination itself, let's take a couple of steps back here. What made you want to take this seven-night cruise on MSC out of Athens? What's been is we really in, were interested in seeing the ports that they offered. We are fully vaccinated, so we knew once we got to Athens, we had to do a COVID test to get onto the ship. And then at embarkation, you had to do a COVID test that MSC provided and paid for. 
So we felt very confident about the policies put in place to keep everybody safe. Cool. And you make your way over there from Florida to Athens. Any pre-cruise time? We did. We spent, um, we got the cruise left on a Monday and we got to Athens on Saturday. So we did, you know, went up to the Acropolis on Saturday evening and did a bunch of walking. And Sunday we did a walking tour of the city and just really soaked in Athens and and then even Monday morning, we did. We just kind of went out and enjoyed the city a little bit before we made our way to the port. How packed is Athens right now with travel being back? You know, it wasn't terrible. Like, um, we didn't have any trouble. Like, the Monastraki Square, where everybody kind of hangs out, there was a, quite a few people there. But we didn't feel like it was overwhelming at all. The city itself is very interesting. Um, there's a lot of graffiti but it's very clean. We saw people cleaning the streets constantly. So we felt very safe there as well. So you make your way to the cruise ship, the MSC Lyrica. How was embarkation for you? Really smooth. Our given time was at 11 a.m. And I had called MSC and I said, you know, I don't, I don't want to embark that early. And they said, no problem. Just go anytime before they had said 6 p.m., which made me very nervous because, you know, being, a, um, you know, any other ship leaves that's really late. So we went about two o'clock ish, maybe, and super smooth process, no lines at all. Checked in, they did a quick COVID test, and we were probably on the ship within 10 minutes, if that. I mean, we didn't, there was no waiting at all. And oh. our rooms were ready. We went right up to our rooms. So, what were your first impressions when you boarded MSC Lyrica? Um, it's an older ship. It's a little bit smaller, not a lot of fanfare at all. And I think the interesting thing with um, MSC cruises are, you know, you can embark and disembark in each spot. So, you know, there was people, there were people that were actually leaving the ship. There were people that was their port stop for the day. So, um, you know, I've, we've been on Disney and Disney makes a big fanfare of when you get on the ship. Um, there wasn't any of that. It was just very like, Okay, you're on the ship. No big deal. But I thought it was nice. It was clean. A lot of people busy working, just kind of doing heads down, doing what they needed to do. I know it's one thing I do like about these European cruises. They operate that ferry schedule so you can embark and disembark on any port you want to. So it really like, you know, like if you're leaving out of Miami, that's your only embarkation port. So you have, you know, sometimes 3000 people trying to embark in one day, whereas like a cruise like that operating a ferry schedule over in Europe, you might only have 500 people in some ports. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, it didn't feel overwhelming. And even um, the lifeboat drill, you know, normally on a regular cruise line, a lifeboat drill, there's 3000 people at the lifeboat drill. This was, you know, maybe 400, if that. So it, it seemed to be, you know, just very controlled. No, not a lot of influx of people all at the same time. So there wasn't that rushing or it, it didn't feel crowded. You mentioned your stateroom was ready when you got on board. So what kind of stateroom did you have? And uh, what did you think of your experience in it throughout the week? Uh, so we had actually booked two inside staterooms because our children who are 20 and 16 were traveling with us. So we got a room for them and a room for us. And we had originally booked two inside staterooms. And about um, uh, maybe a couple weeks before the cruise, I found out they were both upgraded to Ocean View rooms. And so we're like, oh, great. And then we were offered um, to put in for a balcony upgrade. And I put in the very lowest amount possible, like lowest, lowest, lowest. I think it was like $100 a person for me and my husband. And maybe three days before the cruise, um, I found out we were upgraded to a balcony. So 
I found our room was very comfortable. The balcony was great. I was um, a little bit concerned about people smoking on the balcony just because um, Europeans are a little more notorious for smoking. I think only one time I smelled smoke out on the balcony that somebody else was um, smoking. But our room was very comfortable, very, I think, industry standard for a room. Same thing with our boys. They had an inside um, the ocean view room. Nice big window with a huge ledge, you know, that worked great for them for extra storage. Yeah, we felt the rooms were very comfortable. You know, the typical cruise line bathrooms are small, but, you know, totally adequate. With it being a European ship and based in Europe year round, were there only European plugs on board? Yeah, so only only the, I think it was a 220. So we brought um, the, our converters and we didn't have any issues. Very good. So let's talk about dining on board MSC Lyrica. We'll start at the top at the buffet, the um, whatever MSC calls it. I'll call it the Lido Deck Buffet. How was the experience <laughs> there and what kind of service is MSC doing up there? It was very, very uh, multicultural for sure. So there's a lot of different um, varieties of foods. Um, there, There's no COVID precautions. <laughs> like, you know, they would, of course, ask you to um, sanitize your hands and whatnot. And all the workers wore the and 95 masks. And they had asked that um, people on the ship would wear the mask in um, in the public spaces. Like when we went to the shows, we wore a mask, but in the buffets, it certainly wasn't required. And it was all um, serve yourself, just like a regular buffet. Uh, and the food was okay, to be honest. It would be, you know, not our normal fare that we would we would enjoy. So we spent a lot of time at the pizza place or the grill with the hamburgers and the hot dogs and and like they would have like fish sticks and chicken, you know, grilled chicken and that kind of stuff. It was overall good. Let's talk about the main dining room experience then. Um, what time dining did you have and how was that? We had the early dining, which is a little unusual for us. We went to 630 dining and it was it was good. We're not big foodies, so but the food was totally fine. Um, the service was great. Being from North America, uh, being, I guess, North America, water and coffee is included, bottled water. So um, we had bottled water every every night for dinner, and um, yeah, it was it was good. It was really on par with Royal Caribbean or Norwegian that we've experienced. Now this is an older ship. I think it was like launched at like oh two or oh three. I think I could be totally wrong there, but I don't think it has a lot of specialty venues on it. So did you eat anywhere else outside of the buffet or the main dining room or the poolside like hamburger and hot dog place? No, and it doesn't have any specialty dining. Okay, gotcha. Very nice. Well, let's talk about the entertainment then. How was the entertainment on MSC? Because with it being an Italian cruise line, sometimes um, people can get hung up with that because, uh, you know, you can't do comedy, uh, a comedy show in seven different languages at one time. Right. Yeah, we went to the show every night just for, you know, just to support the the people, the performers. Some shows were hits and some were misses, but um, yeah, it was overall entertaining. It would be, you know, I think you know, one night they had a salute to like Broadway or something like that, and they would be singing and dancing and and doing their thing. Um, they had one night there was three um, three singers from England was the act. Or I mean, it was fine. It it was entertaining, and in the theater you would wear your mask. Um, they would have somebody stationed outside the door so that everybody was wearing a mask in the theater. But other than that, yeah, we would go and, and it was, you know, maybe an hour if that. But yeah, it was, it certainly wasn't, um, you know, a Broadway production and it's a pretty small stage that they had, but we, we went and supported them and it was fine. It was entertaining. 
And how about the music in the venues around the ship outside of the theater? Yeah, there would be piano acts. We didn't go and sit in any of the bars or anything and listen to them, but I did hear them playing and people seemed to be enjoying them. All right, well, let's talk about the sea days on board this seven-night cruise. Now, normally these European cruises don't have a lot of sea days, normally one or two. How many did yours, did yours have? Just one. Just one. And how was it as far as crowds and congestion? It was good, actually. Um, yeah, we didn't have any trouble. The, I found the pool to be a little too cold for my liking. Um, I don't know, maybe spoiled being in Florida. But um, so I, I put my feet in the water and I was like, oh, that's too cold. So the, the pools themselves weren't very crowded, I think, because the water was cold. Mm -hmm. But um, we found a, a place to kind of relax. And, um, and they always had something kind of going on on the pool deck, like music or dance lessons. And those dance lessons would be packed. There would, be, there would not be an open spot. So, and a bunch of little activities going on. So I didn't feel like we were over, like, you know, we felt very claustrophobic or anything like that. No, I felt like everybody had plenty of space. All right. Well, let's talk about the ports of call on this seven night cruise. You did some of the Greek Isles, Turkey and Israel. So let's just go in order here. What was your first port of call and what'd you do? Um, we, our first stop was um, Kushadasi in Turkey. And we rented a car and drove to um, this little, it's an ancient city called Ephesus. And it was the second largest city in the Roman Empire. So we just kind of did kind of a self-guided tour through there. And then we drove back to the city and turned in the rental car and actually just kind of walked around the city a little bit. There's a um, a big statue that overlooks the port. So we walked up there and then there's a, a sign that says Kushadasi. So my boys wanted a picture by that. So we just kind of walked around in the city a little bit uh, before we got back on the ship. Okay. And then what'd you do next? Um, the next one uh, was our day at sea. And then after that was our stop in Israel. And that was at Haifa, which is um, pretty far north in the country. Mm -hmm. And so there we ended up um, almost renting a taxi for the whole day from because um, our tour had kind of fallen through. So we rented a taxi and that taxi driver took us um, to Nazareth and we were made a stop by the Sea of Galilee, went to the Jordan River and then went to the Dead Sea and then um, went back to Haifa and kind of went up to the overlooking spot over overlooking the city. Um, and that was really nice. That was actually our longest port day. But um, yeah, I, I would love to go back and see more of Israel for sure. When you got that taxi, the taxi rental, I've done these before in some cities and you could pay anything from like 500 to 1,000 euros to have a taxi driver for the day. Was yours pricey? It was. It ended up being $700 for the four of us. Mm -hmm. um, but he normally would charge 850 for his whole van. But um, he was saying they're, they're kind of struggling with tourists right now and you know, not a lot of people um, take tours, unlike, you know, on a Caribbean cruise where a lot of people will go and, and tour the area. It's just kind of a different feel mm -hmm. there. It's not as, you know, and a lot of people, I think, do the tours through the cruise line. Right. We tend not to do the tours through the cruise line. We tend to do them on our own. But, gotcha. but so, yeah, it was, it ended up um, being 700 U.S. dollars. Gotcha. And then where'd you go after Israel? Um, so then in Israel, we had a stop in um, Cyprus. And there also we rented a car. Um, we had the car company come and meet us at the port and drop off the car. And there we went. Um, part of Cyprus has a, a big cat sanctuary. And so we went and visited this cat sanctuary where there's hundreds of cats. 
So we went and kind of hung out with these cats for a while and just kind of drove around the island a little bit. Um, went and saw like there's supposedly a, a rock that's the birthplace of Aphrodite. So we stopped and um, kind of hung out there for a little bit, just enjoyed the view and the water and then um, kind of headed back to the back to the port. The only um, the, it seemed like these port days were rather short, like you had to be back on on the ship by like three, three thirty. So it went fast. Very curious. Is it intimidating renting a vehicle like a car in another country? Actually, we do it all the time because it's just cheaper for the four of us, mm-hmm. you know, to rent a car. So it's always just been more economical. And my husband has no fear. So he's like, yeah. And, you know, he doesn't. it got a little hairy in Turkey, to be honest, because he ended up taking a wrong turn mm-hmm. and it was a stick shift and he couldn't get it. And so he ended up having to back down this really tight alleyway. So. <sighs> I was hyperventilating, but he was fine. Um, no, and actually, we've never we've never run into issues. Our credit card includes a lot of um, good um, car insurance coverage as mm-hmm. long as you book the car on the on that card. Yeah, but yeah, you know, yeah, we've never had any issues. Knock on wood. <laughs> Where did you head after Cyprus? Then we went to um, Rhodes in there, rented a car, and that was really nice because it was right off the ship, like a like a thirty second walk from the ship to the car rental picked up the car rental, um, drove down to Lindos, I believe it is. And there's an Acropolis there. So we were able to get down there, park, go walk up to the Acropolis, check it all out. And then on our way, walking back down from the Acropolis, I mean, the line was like an hour long and it was like, oh my gosh, you know, cause now by the time all the cruise ships, um, you know, excursions were there and we're like, so glad we're getting out of here. Um, and then we just kind of Drove around the island for a little bit. Um, their one spot has a diving platform out in the ocean or out in the sea. And so my son went and dove off of that. And um, so that was, that was a nice little place. And they ha- also have a, um, a fortress right there in the middle of where, right where the ship docks. So we walked around that for a little bit. But it was very touristy and lots of shops and lots of the same shops over and over. That was okay. So then after Rhodes, we went to um, Santorini. And we had been to Santorini previously on a cruise, so we kind of knew what we wanted to do, something a little different. So we rented a car again. And that time we went, um, we drove to, it's called Akrotari. It's a village that dates back to the Bronze Age that was there when the volcanic eruption happened. And so they've found the you know, remains of the city. So we checked that out um, and went to, there's a red rock kind of beach down there. That's all volcanic rock. Um, So we went and looked at that, um, you know, checked that out. The boys went swimming for a little bit, Um, drove back to, went to Ia, just did the little tourist stuff, you know, saw the windmills again. Um, And then we did walk out to, um, we turned in the rental car and then walked out to um, Skoros Rock. There's a big rock kind of in the middle of the cauldron kind of. And so we walked out there and just checked out the view from there. And we got on, that was the last tender to the ship was at five o'clock and we were on that five o'clock tender. So we definitely used every minute we had there. (laughs) So it comes time to debark this ship. How was the process there? Like, was there a lot of you getting off in Athens? Um, You know, to be honest, I don't know because it didn't even feel crowded. Um, We were on deck nine. So our disembark time would have been like 830. Our boys were on deck seven. So their disembark time was 930. So they just wanted everybody out of their room by eight o'clock. So at eight, we left our rooms, went up, went up to breakfast, 
and just kind of hung out there until 9.30 and then just walked right off the ship. And there was no no lines, no no chaos, no crowds. It was super duper smooth. Back to the ship just for a moment. Um, how was the casino as far as like the cigarette smoke? Was it, uh, you know, in and around the casino? Um, it wasn't bad at all. Like, um, you know, sometimes, you have, of course, you have to like almost walk through the casino to get anywhere. And I didn't notice it. I wasn't like, oh, my gosh, like this is terrible. Mm-hmm. So, no, it, it didn't. And maybe because it, it didn't look very busy either. Yeah. There wasn't a lot of people in there. So, um, but no, not at all. No issues. And we um, work out every day, too. So we'd go to the gym every day and there was never an issue with like, oh, my gosh, this gym is so crowded or we couldn't get on a certain equipment. Like it was um, it. I, you know, if somebody had asked me how many people are on the ship, I would have no idea because it never felt like there was too many people anywhere. Um, Any first time tips to offer someone who's maybe sailing MSC Lyrica or doing a cruise out of Athens? Um, I. I guess, you know, obviously keep an open mind because it is going to be, it is going to be a little bit um, different. It's a little different feel. You're a little more anonymous. Um, Everybody's just kind of doing, doing their thing. Um, And it was, it was a a really good experience. I'm glad we did it. And, and to be honest, it it was a lot of um, cost saving versus some of the other cruise lines. So just for that aspect of it, uh, we were able to get the two rooms for the price of one room and even less than a price of one room on another cruise line. So um, definitely keep an open mind. It took us a few days to kind of figure out our, our flow and like where we like to eat and you know, what we like to have for breakfast. And we, the, the place where you can get the burgers and whatnot, they do omelets and egg sandwiches and that kind of stuff. And once you kind of know that, you know, you kind of figure out what works for you and, and it worked great for our family. Did you find any language barriers between you and the crew? Um, you know, no, you say at the um, front desk, um, we did kind of have a little issue. The nice thing with MSC also is they match loyalty points from other cruise lines. So we've sailed on Disney quite a bit. So they matched our loyalty points from Disney onto MSC. So we were a little higher um, members for MSC from the get-go, which was nice. And we were supposed to have um, priority tendering in Santorini. And the first person I spoke to, you know, she wasn't quite understanding. I said, no. And, and she said, no, you don't get that. And we kind of went back and forth a little bit. And then um, she called somebody and she said, oh, I'm sorry. Yes, you do. But it was taken care of. And I felt like everybody we encountered spoke English very well. Mm-hmm. Maybe some of the housekeeping staff, like if you needed to ask for something, they were a little um, confused, but... Other than that, we didn't have any issues. Looking back, what was the biggest highlight of this cruise for y'all? We really did enjoy roads, and we did um, we did enjoy you know just being on the on the ship. And it was um, I felt like it was a very relaxed environment, and um, seeing Athens was great too. And all the all the ports all the port stops were great. the The only thing I would have wished was a little bit more time everywhere. Like we left Santorini before the sunset and, you know, they're always famous for their sunsets. Mm -hmm. So it would have been nice to be able to, but I think there was a a Norwegian ship in port at the same time. So I'm sure that's part of it, but I would have just liked, of course, everybody would want more time in a port, but that would have been the only downside. And your final thoughts of MSC Lyrica. Well, we did book another one. So for next summer, a different location. So I would definitely, um, anybody who's kind of on the fence, like I was, 
give it a shot. Um, it's not going to be all the bells and whistles that you may expect on other cruise lines. Um, but you know, depending on the size of the ship and the newness of the ship too, that might change. Definitely. It's totally worth a shot. Um, and traveling, going to a farther destination to start the cruise is kind of nice too, because you almost get two vacations in one. So you get a little bit of before and then a little bit after, and then plus wherever you get to go on the, on the cruise. So definitely, um, you know, don't, don't hesitate to, to try it. And yeah, and, and it's, um, it was a great experience for us. So airfare is super expensive right now. When y'all were booking your flights, uh, did you like, do you have any tips or tricks to kind of look for like maybe a, a cheaper day to fly or anything like that for like you've noticed with your family of four? Yeah, that it, it, it was expensive to fly into um, Athens. We ended up we live in Jacksonville, and so we ended up driving to Fort Lauderdale, and it was much cheaper out of Fort Lauderdale than it was out of Orlando. Mm-hmm. And we um, use our airline points, our credit card points, um, to pay. We used all of the points to pay for one of the tickets, so then we were able to kind of prorate it, and you know, then it didn't feel quite as bad. But definitely look outside of your norm. Um, we're booking airfare for coming up soon, and we're looking, you know, kind of. Um, look around and see, you know, don't, don't have your heart set on one specific destination say, okay, I have to fly into this day and, and have that flexibility to maybe fly into a different country. And then maybe there's a train mm-hmm. you could take, or, you know, kind of have, um, have a little bit more flexibility, especially out of where you, li- where you leave from, yeah. you know, for us, Fort Lauderdale was like a six hour drive, but to fly from New York would be just as much out of the way. So, yeah. We've been talking with Jennifer about her seven-night cruise on MSC Lyrica. Jennifer, thank you so much for coming on and sharing this great trip with us. No problem. It's my pleasure. All right, Dougie, let's see what we got for you, buddy. Cruise Radio is produced at the TripInsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida. Get cruise news, ship reviews, and money-saving tips every Thursday on Cruise Radio. If you've enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the show. If you want to help spread the word, Give Cruise Radio a five-star review. Find Cruise Radio where you listen to your favorite podcast or online at cruiseradio.net. I'm your announcer. Hey, Houston, Con's prices are invincible. That means prices have been cut low, as in amazingly low, as in won't be beat. In fact, we're backing it up with our low price guarantee. Invincible prices on appliances, furniture, electronics, mattresses, and more. Not invincible enough for you? How about free next-day delivery on appliances, TVs, and mattresses? And payment options for everyone, whether you have good credit or building it. Visit Cons today and find out what Invincible feels like.